Welcome to Roll Calling, a podcast about actors we love and the movies we love them in. I'm Ned Baker, and you're listening to WURG 949, The Urge. And I'm Caroline Sita, and I am the personification of evil. (laughs) And I'm Brian, and I'm the unlucky uh, (laughs) descendant of Michael Myers. (laughs) Welcome, cursed Brian. (laughs) Watch out. We are delighted to have you here. The way that this podcast works is that Caroline and I take turns curating a five-film miniseries starring an actor we love. But that was then. That's our normal model. And this is the off-season. It's holiday special time. It's holiday special time. And if I've gotten this edited as fast as I wanted to, then this has dropped on or not far before Halloween. So happy Halloween to our fans of Roll Calling. Um, Thank you for tuning in for this special a uh, special episode where we are returning, as we have done a few times and really enjoy doing, to take one more little swing-by detour hello with an actor we've covered before. So it was last year that we did our five-film miniseries starring Jamie Lee Curtis, which included two Halloween films, Halloween and also Halloween. <laughs> um, and uh, for the second of those... We were joined by none other than the co-host of the Happy Harvest Horror Show, Brian Muldoon, a true spooky king. Thank you. And it was great discussing David Gordon Green's 2018 requel, shall we say? Sure. You know, kind of a soft reboot, kind of a... Yeah, yeah the new Scream movie would call it a requel. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that that is a term that I picked up from that new Scream movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the requel of Halloween. Now that... The third installment in that sort of new requel trilogy has dropped. We couldn't resist an opportunity to join up with our old friend Brian and uh, spiritually join up with our old friend Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis and uh, and discuss a movie that we haven't shared many of our opinions with each other. But um, as you said before we went on air, Brian, you said just three buds discussing a bonkers movie. <laughs> and I'll, I'll co-sign that. So... Yeah, I think this being bonus episode territory, we could just kind of jump in with impressions. Um, and so, who wants to do an impression of a character from Halloween? <laughs> oh, no. I, what, what was that? I, I'll go first. Ah, I'm Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> or was his name Corey? Corey. God, Cameron's her boyfriend Corey. from the first two. <laughs> okay, sorry. Cameron's My gosh. toast. Cameron is the boyfriend who throws the phone in the pudding, lest we forget Mm -hmm. the most impactful moment in the entire Halloween franchise for me. A high school student throwing his girlfriend's phone in a vat of pudding. Yeah. Did you re-listen to our our previous podcast episode to juice your memory, Caroline? Yes, I re-listened to our podcast episodes, and I also watched the videos that you had recommended that were the kill count mm-hmm. recaps yes. of both Halloween yes. 2018 and Halloween Kills to sort of refresh my memory on where this whole franchise has been recently. Okay, this is this is why we work. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I listened to the podcast and I watched those things. I also noticed that uh, James A. Janese, host of The Kill Count, referred to it as a big bowl of nacho cheese, which, mm. you know, I st- I, we sort pudding. of, I think, discussed this. But yeah, pudding, nacho cheese. pudding, not nacho cheese? Brian, are you camp cheese? Nacho cheese you have to have in a like a 
a crock pot that's keeping it warm. And that is definitely in a punch bowl situation. Ooh. I agree. I agree. And why would there be a bowl of pudding? You know, like, <laughs> how would they serve it at the dance? At you dance. know what I mean? <laughs> Just like... Everyone got their little bowl. And it's orange colored too, right? Like, I'm not disagreeing. It could be a pumpkin pudding, you know? Like, it could be. Exactly. It's Halloween. What color would your pudding be? I think both are valid. But my my gut was nacho cheese when I saw it. So I want to take a moment to just do a little, address the viewers, the listeners rather, and do a little temperature check and be like, are we, is this what you came for? Is this what you tuned, is this the discussion that you were looking for? Cheese versus pudding. Cheese versus pudding. These are are the sort of debates we want to have. Um... Uh, uh, I, goofs aside, although the goofs surely will only go aside for you know <laughs> for a, a small minutes. amount of time. This might be a goof high episode, but but to return to my actual question, um, Brian, yeah, Halloween yo. ends. Yeah, 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 yeah. How you feeling? Hey, this is the thirteenth movie. This is a, the mm. fr- big titans of slashers. This is he's the first one that got to thirteen. Oh my gosh! Like Jason didn't even get to thirteen. I know. Friday the thir- They haven't had a Friday the Thirteenth. Friday stuck at twelve. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. They just have they have Friday the 13th the 13th just sitting on the table. Sitting. It's in it's in lawyer hell right now. That's the oh. the original producer and director are fighting over who owns. And it's like a mess. If you want to get into it, we could talk about it sometime because <laughs> it's like one person owns Friday the 13th and the name Jason while the other one really owns the rights to the hockey mask and like Whoa. you really can't make movies separate, you know what I mean? I mean, you could, but it wouldn't yeah. really work. So, anyway, so that's why they're 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 duking it out who owns what. Um, but they're stuck at twelve, so Michael's at thirteen, uh, and Mazel Tov, Michael. He did it. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan Your of that guy. Serial killer bar mitzvah, Mazel Tov. Uh, I this, okay. This movie is a mess. It's a mess, mm-hmm. and there's problems. I loved it. I thought it. <gasps> <laughs> I loved that. Like we were thirteen movies into this, and someone did something different. You know that like. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of disparate ideas in this that really don't fit very well, but I think each idea I was really excited by. And so like the sum of its parts, I, I got behind and that I, uh, I walked away going like, hell yeah, hell yeah. I got what you were going for as a third movie into this trilogy of like wrapping things up. It doesn't really work, but as like a standalone, (laughs) you know, sort of like entry into the Halloween like canon, I thought it was really exciting. Did you huh. go and see it in a theater? Were you watching on Peacock? What was your Halloween ends experience? I, saw it. I, <laughs> I was in LA uh, for for some other spooky shenanigans. And I saw it at like a one o'clock in the Chinese theater, TLC, TCL, oh, yeah. like IMAX wow. theater. Like one o'clock huge, p.m. Whoa. or some weird PM. 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was p.m. There was like six of us in the theater, including one person dressed as Michael Myers. <gasps> so nice. Wait, um, that is actually very spooky. A random 1 p.m. Michael Myers? <laughs> by himself. It was not in a group. Oh, man. A guy dressed as Michael Myers, like menaced me while i was waiting for tickets to see barbarian incredible the next night i like the guy at the snack counter like gives me this weird look and his eyes dart behind and i turn around and michael myers is standing there and he is like he was tall he was like six and a half feet tall and i went oh <laughs> still works walked off because still I spooky him. guy you know yeah very spooky guy uh, yeah so i got a huge imax you know uh feast of it and then i rewatched um before we did this over the last few days i went back and rewatched it again um uh yeah i i don't know i i dug it i thought it was i thought it was like the 
2018 hit such a great note of um, getting the tone of the first movie of like a spiritual successor mm-hmm. to it, like really right. And then kills uh, was was a mess, you know, and and it, like it was it was weird, angry, but really like funny, tonally all over the place movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like this one between the two hit kind of a sweet spot where like the goofiness like I really latched on to um, and the the serious bits. I was like, I get where you're going with it. Um, so, but I'm sure we'll get into all the criticisms of it because there are, there's plenty to chew on, but I, I don't know. I, uh, being a fan of like the whole Halloween franchise, like, um, I'm, it's no, I'm no stranger to wacky fucking <laughs> plot lines that are all over the place. I thought these, this movie kind of honored a lot of different things that I didn't think any of the new Halloween movies would honor. So it was cool. It was cool. This is fun to hear because yeah, people who listen to our to our episode on Halloween 2018, we'll be familiar with your sort of like long history with the Halloween franchise. And yeah, I'd say your your affection for even the less critically acclaimed installments in there, as long as they had strong vibes or... Uh, yeah, the or vibes are always good with Michael. You know? He's a spooky dude, you know? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Murdering children, murdering babysitters, <laughs> tilting his yeah. head in that yeah. little cute way that he does. <laughs> He's just a curious little dude, you know? <laughs> I guess I am shocked but not surprised to hear that you responded to this movie in that way. Because I can see some of the ways in which it, yeah, kind of uh, kind of honors those. It does what David Gordon Green's trilogy has been doing, which is kind of like playing on and commenting on previous mm-hmm. installments. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that's where you're coming from. Caroline, you want to give us a... Give us your take. Well, this is fun because you and I went to see this movie together at a press screening we two mm-hmm. weeks ago and have yep. not since then discussed our thoughts. We had the fun experience no. of just like walking out of the theater together and talking about other things because we wanted to share our our reactions on Mike. My Yes. Here's here's what I was experiencing in the theater as we as I was sitting next to you, Ned. I don't know if you were experiencing mm-hmm. something similar, but I would say <laughs> that watching this movie was like playing a game with a small child where they're sort of like, the ponies are going to the mountain. And you're like, oh, where are they going on the mountain? And they're like, they're not going to the mountain. They're going to the ocean. And you're like, oh, okay. Are the, po- are the ponies going to like have fun at the beach? Like, they're not ponies. They're fairies. Like, there were, <laughs> there was no logic. There was no structure. There was no cohesion. But I, I do think there's something kind of charming about the, <laughs> The weirdness of playing a game with a child where the rules are constantly changing. There's like, there could be, I don't know, something intriguing and interesting about that. So I I wouldn't say there was nothing to latch on to here. I cannot say I particularly had a great time or that I would, I would probably rank. There was a, there was a chunk of this movie where I thought it was better than Kills, this, the second one. And then by the end, I think I think it's the worst of the three. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm, I've remained. I did rewatch it kind of, I mean, I, to be honest, I half paid attention, rewatched it today. And it felt a little more cohesive once I sort of knew what to expect going in, but a very strange way to end this trilogy, I would say. For sure. I think there's certainly no doubt that as a third installment in a requel trilogy, or fourth installment in a 
original plus David Gordon Green tetralogy chronology. Regardless, as a way to conclude this particular Michael arc, it is a very peculiar choice, not the least because of the extremely small role of Michael in it. Mm-hmm. Very small. Um, replaced by Corey. Corey, Corey Cunningham. <laughs> I, I had the experience of watching this movie in theaters with you and then telling myself I was going to get around to rewatching it on, it's on what, Peacock? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, that was a lie to myself, <laughs> and I haven't rewatched it. And I have got to say that in the weeks since then, it is starting to blur for me. It's a bit of a blurry movie. All three of them mm-hmm. are. Frankly, rewatching the the kill counts on these, I was like, you know, I really hated Halloween Kills. Like I hated <laughs> it, but at least it had that funny bit with that blonde girl babysitting the little mm-hmm. kid who was really sassy. And then I was like, wait, that was in the first one? Oh man, there was really nothing for me to cling to in Kills. And yeah, this one I would say had much more interesting goals than Kills. I thought it was it was trying to do more interesting things. I think mm-hmm. I think Kills like thematically like mob justice is misguided and evil, evil dies, dies tonight, you know. Tonight. I want to get that. Evil dies tonight. Like I did, I'll go on record. I did not like Halloween kills, but evil dies tonight still lives like as like this beautiful little strange nugget that uh, I'll always love. It's so funny. It's honestly like one of the funniest just things in cinematic history. Can I real quick shout out film critic Katie Reif, who wrote the Halloween ends review for Fox digital where I work. And her title Mm -hmm. was, evil size tonight <laughs> which i still think is like one of the best uh review <sighs> headlines i've ever heard yeah um it's I, I tried to do more interesting things but i would say i really had a hard time digging into this movie mm-hmm. um and it pushed some of my it pushed some of my negative buttons um <laughs> I'll I'll say, you know, for instance, one of my reactions or one of my strong impressions is that you might recall, I'd forgotten discussing this on our our last year episode, but but I was already starting to grapple with my feelings over the sort of nature of horror movies where it's like they present unlikable people so that you'll be kind of like happy when they die. Mm -hmm. And like, how do I feel about that as an artistic undertaking? And... This movie just, like, leaned on the gas with that, I think. That would be maybe, like, gripe number one for me would be that, like, in replace of the sort of abject horror of Michael targeting people who you're like, but they didn't do anything. You know, these are innocent people. I think this movie did the most presenting you this gallery of, like, increasingly cartoonishly, like, wicked and unlikable <laughs> people. Band kids. Mm-hmm. Evil band oh kids, God. most Marching of all. Band boys. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, and look, it's like, I still like those sort of, haha, we swerved you twists. Like, what if the boys were marching band kids? I do, well, I mean, we can get it. There, there are plenty of things about this movie that I basically enjoyed. But, but I definitely gripe with a sort of model of like, actually, everyone that they're going to kill is going to be super an asshole, so you'll be into it. But then I'm like, but I don't think assholes... When it comes around to it, I'm like, these kids really suck. They, like, really suck. But I don't know that I, like, that makes me, like, gleeful to watch this kid, like, get his face blowtorched. So 
I don't know. I felt like that actually is kind of like another franchise, you know? I, I'm not actually that familiar with Friday the 13th. Maybe it has some of this, but um, but I, I think that I, I, I griped at the fact that it became like basically showing you people who I think you're supposed to cheer when they mm. get their comeuppance. Mm. But then the comeuppance was like so much more brutal. I'm like, yeah, this this radio DJ seems like an asshole, but man, watching him get his tongue scissored off, that's gnarly. Oh, man. What? A, what? You like what that? What a kill. You know? Like, yeah, it was. But to like the, the tongue on the record player uh-huh. <laughs> and the turn and the needle skipping on the tongue, like... And then Andy's listening to I'm it. So, on the radio. I loved it. I was I was <laughs> laughing. I I don't know. That, like there were just little nuggets like that in this movie that were like, oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna remember this, you know. Um, but I, you know, I agree with you. I think that like, yeah, I, it's interesting you bring in the Friday the Thirteenth movies because I I think there's I mean there's obviously unlikable characters in all these movies, um, but for the majority of those movies, they're just like hangout movies at ca- like mm-hmm. camp with all these counselors they're just like chilling hanging out drinking whatever and then jason shows up and it's like rinse repeat all these movies <laughs> i feel like yeah i feel like it's it's later that morality kind of comes into it i mean especially with halloween there's really no morality all the, the 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 biggest sin in the first halloween is the babysitters were having sex you know like that's yeah and that's not even a sin it's you know so um yeah I, but i agree with you with this one that like the people that were dispatched we were actively not liking but i think that was on by design um especially th- what this movie was trying to in my opinion what it was trying to do is by like what if we took out michael from this equation mm-hmm. what would this haddonfield's boogeyman look like and i thought this like this movie was making like this to me compelling case that like Haddonfield's boogeyman themselves that they need a boogeyman and that they will be it if in the absence of an actual monster. I also didn't even I don't think I considered that as much as 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 like a, a role within slashers of morality playing. I think it just it, it plays off the audience in a satisfying sort of like it pulls the punch a bit when you watch something brutal if you're like if you can say ah well Mm -hmm. i didn't like him anyway i mean (laughs) as soon as i yeah maybe that's it as soon as it came out of my mouth i'm like man what a wet blanket comment to have about a horror movie to be like well i didn't like that they made the people unlikable and then (laughs) killed them really brutally but because it's like well then what are you doing in the audience man um and i don't want to i don't want to have a conversation where i just like try to yuck your yum the whole time you know i want you know my my yum is solidified, you know. This is, <laughs> as a fan of the Halloween franchise, it's like it's been it's been plenty of other battles that I've lost. So this isn't. I'm I I, and I agree. That's that's another the flip side of this. I don't disagree with all these criticisms and like about this movie because I think as a third movie or a fourth in this like new arc that they're going for, I think that with this movie, maybe to its detriment, but I but as a Halloween fan, I still dug it. Uh, it's doing the same thing I think the first two were doing, where I think David Gordon Green is trying to emulate the first three Halloween movies, where the first one, very simple, um, does a great job with like the uh, kind of echoing the first Halloween movie in, in inverted subversive ways. That's really exciting, a la like Force Which Awakens, I, you know? I really enjoyed when they did that. You know, shit like exactly. – sh- like- Andy looks out the window and Lori is watching her. Like right. every time they did something like that in in the 2018 film, I really liked that, and I, I'd say I'm still quite a fan of like what that movie was doing. And all lands, and I feel like I I really enjoyed the 2018 is still my favorite. Of course, there's no mm-hmm. question. And I think Kills, much like Halloween two mm-hmm. in 81, 
is going for full slasher. We're we're like not as interested in in you know thematic tones and all this stuff and like in suspense. We're going mm-hmm. full mean, uh, full throttle slasher, which was a lot like Halloween too, which and set in and around a hospital too. Set in and around a hospital, exactly. That, uh, that yeah. they're emulating things in different ways, and just like Halloween too. Uh, that movie is also very different than Halloween 78 because there was the uh, 78 happened and then Friday the 13th happened and now we are in this slasher phase of the 80s so they wanted to lean more into slashers so Halloween 2 is a lot of people's favorite Halloween sequel because it's full slasher Mm -hmm. Um, this one just like Halloween 3 which just like Halloween 3 they were trying to get away from Michael Myers and make the Halloween franchise something new (laughs) This oh, one largely removed Michael Myers in the movie again. Um, then I and I feel like maybe that was just me in the audience, like right when the opening credits happened, and it was in the same font as Halloween Three. I was like, "This movie's going to be weird," and now mm-hmm. I'm like on board for it. You know that I, I'm excited to see what crazy ways it goes. And uh, Cave Dwelling Michael was not, you know, <laughs> a direction I thought, but I was delighted by it. I because it, it was something I hadn't seen before. You know, that was his. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was I was along for the fun ride, and yeah, I'm torn between like like liking the ideas. I think for me it was an experience. I mean, maybe I'll just say this for starters. Like, I definitely think that like David Gordon Green, like he's making these movies kind of for the fans. Like even his 2018 Halloween, which I think was pretty sweet. Like if you watch that totally on its own, I mean, I think a lot of like our favorite moments of that are moments that intentionally interplay with Halloween 1978. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen that, you're going to be like, uh, okay, this is like a this is a slasher movie, but like what makes it so special is the way it plays with that. And you Brian as a super fan of the series, I think are just like I'm already feeling ways in which like I was not I was not attuned to ways in which this movie has continued to like play with the franchise overall because I just am not as familiar with those later installments and we know we know that you are. But for me, without that, I had this sort of constant experience of being like, oh, maybe they're going for this. I'm kind of interested in that. And then as it, it played out being like, wait, but wh- why would you why would you do it that way? Like yeah. old man like old Michael Dwelling in the cave is a fun idea. And then I'm just thinking about the sort of like rules of the world of like, so in Halloween Kills, like Michael got literally like, like the shit kicked out of him and like stabbed in the back of his head. Annihilated, yeah. And then like got up and like full strength, like wrecked everybody and then like walked over to his old house and then killed Judy Greer, which was a fucking terrible decision. And in my opinion. Yeah. And Same. I'm like, okay, so he's invincible. He never gets weaker. And then it's like, but actually he was weak. In fact, he's so weak, he's going to be like a weak old guy through this entire movie to the point where like he never kind of poses like that big a threat. I mean, I guess he pins a uh, rude nurse friend to the wall. He has some shows of strength. I don't know. I just like as a as a climax to this like new Michael franchise – I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, I mean, like, like soon we should get into the Corey of it all because he's like, he's kind of at the heart of the film. He's literally this movie. Yeah, I yeah, I think the biggest problem with the past two movies with kills and ends is that it feels like 
Halloween 2018 was supposed to be the end for Lori and Michael. The end of Mm -hmm. Lori's story. That was such a perfect capper for that. And then it really feels like David Gordon Green just basically wanted to make sort of two anthology movies set in the Halloween universe. One that was about Mm -hmm. like, this is a town seeking active vigilante justice. And then one that was like, this is how a town sort of turns against itself when they're looking for the boogeyman, as you pointed out, Brian. But Mm -hmm. the problem is that then those two movies are also trying to shoehorn in this Laurie arc that really doesn't Mm -hmm. do a lot. And I actually think doesn't really give, you know, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is great, but I don't think the movies are really focusing on showcasing her. Like she kind of feels like an afterthought. And in this movie, the final Lori Michael showdown almost feels like an afterthought. And yeah, maybe some of that is because the marketing only hyped this up as Michael versus Lori, this is the final showdown. Like I think I think the the marketing didn't do the movie any favors because it sort of Correct. led people astray. Um, yeah. which is not, mm-hmm. you know, not fully on the movie. But I think by by the nature of saying we're gonna have a trilogy in which Jamie Lee Curtis is anchoring three films, you are sort of setting the expectation that this is gonna be her story. And it's so weird to just have these second two movies where it's like, yeah, she's there, but we're more interested in something else. And like I wish David Gordon Green had just leaned into what he was actually interested in and not felt like he needed this Lori thing to continue. I fully agree with that. I feel like the movies that he wanted to make are these second two, these like hadn't, they should have just been like a Haddonfield yeah. trilogy versus a Michael and Laurie trilogy, you know? Yeah. I think they would have found a lot more success because I agree that it was very shoehorned. Um, I mean, the second movie, she was just like in Halloween 2, she was yeah. largely relegated to a hospital bed. Um, it's also Including kind of funny. getting up and being like, I'm getting out of this goddamn hospital bed. Exactly. But I think going back to it like 10 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's also funny, like it's in, it's an unfortunate tradition in the Halloween franchise that every time they like have a sequel that does Lori good, they'll follow mm-hmm. it right away with a sequel that does yeah. her so dirty. You know what I mean? Like Halloween, fantastic Lori. Halloween two, not not her shining moment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then H two O, fantastic, right. and then Resurrection. Resurrections, they kill her right away. <laughs> yeah. You know, and now we're right back to the same situation. But but yeah, is again is it is a uh, concluding arc with. Lori and Michael, um, it largely doesn't work because it, it does. It's not the central focus of it all. I mean, you could, I could, but there's ideas there that I latch onto mm-hmm. about Lori still stuck about like identifying what it is, what is the evil if it's not Michael, is it still here? Um, that's all. Those are all cool ideas. I don't think they're fleshed out at all. That's the problem. But I think. Um, I fully agree with you that I, w- I wanted that Lori stuff. You know, I mean, like I'm like, oh, she's writing a book that could be interesting. She. When they, like, let her and uh, Hawkins be in rom-com mode mm-hmm. at the grocery store, I was like, yum, I love this. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want this. This is so sweet. Um, I want them to have their little Nancy Myers, you know. She was kind of in, like, a Nancy Myers movie for the first. Yeah. Wait, is that the name? Yeah, is that yeah, the, yeah. Like, something's got to give? That's yeah, what I'm like looking for. Um, I, I would say I was really thrown off by, like, this whole – there was this sort of narrative came in about, like, Lori tempted Michael. Lori loves Michael. Lori wants him to come. And it both like came out of nowhere. It felt like like a literal retcon. I'm like, based on what? Right. And then it also like went nowhere, I think. It was like, it just felt like a half, 
a half-baked idea that I think, I, I think that the problem, uh, you know, this marketing, as you said, they're all about like, it's Laurie and Michael, Laurie and Michael. And also yeah. like, we had that in interviews when we, you know, when the first of these new movies came out and they had announced two sequels, David Gordon Green, he basically called his shot. He's like, this was like, we wanted to go back to the basics of the original. And the next one is going to be kind of like an all out slasher. And the third mm-hmm. one's going to be a very personal movie about Laurie and Michael. Mm-hmm. And like, it said it's a personal I, movie about Corey Cunningham, our favorite well, character. In exactly, the- <laughs> well, yeah, that's, guys. that's the problem is like, I think here's the, the problem is with calling your shot because, you know, I've definitely started writing a script and being like, oh, it's really about this thing. And then you get along and you're like, you know what? I, I figured out that it wasn't really about that. And it began with this other thing, but I had not like done press conferences saying what that Mm -hmm. first idea was going to be and sort of promising it to people. So, so it did feel like, yeah, I probably would have been more open to what this movie chose to be about if they hadn't really like if he hadn't said and the marketing hadn't doubled down on the idea Mm. of being like this will be a very personal confrontation because quite frankly like a personal confrontation and a conclusion of the story between Laurie and michael is exactly what they did with halloween 2018 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if i were to think of how to do that i would do it very different from what they did in the final act of that like that to me was a totally satisfactory closing of the Laurie michael story but then they had two more movies to make so i think i think you're right that it was like unfortunately they sort of dug themselves that hole i mean they i can't see them like making these movies without them having Laurie and michael i mean it's just kind of hard to tell but i think that's uh this last movie especially is right exactly what you're saying i think this movie had a lot of masters that it had to adhere to mm-hmm. um to conclude um and I, it was also, I and mean, we know both kills and this one had a lot of um, production troubles and some mm. reshoots for both of them. Um, I do know that the earlier on, an earlier on in script for this one was going to address COVID in it, and that's why uh, that there is that four year jump. We know right at the beginning, it's set in 2019, the year right before COVID, mm-hmm. and we're set, oh. and the movie is now. Um, well, I didn't even day. think about that. Huh. They were yeah. like really and that's also why kind of when we see all the characters again they're largely like just seeing themselves seemingly for the first time in a long time yeah. like you know what i mean that like yeah, they're all Hawk just and Caesar at the grocery store yeah and they're it's, like, it's like you haven't seen each other in four years you know like oh i like it more now right right off the bat i'm like yeah people are like wait a minute aren't you Corey cunningham from four years ago <laughs> so michael went to live he went to live in a sewer as his quarantine during the pandemic. Oh, that was his self-isolation. Okay. We appreciate it, you know? Thank you, Michael. <laughs> the ultimate social distancing. <laughs> he's the shape, but he's not a monster. He, was, you he know? did he masks before it was cool. <laughs> My confusion, he did. My confusion, when I was like, he seems so strong at the end of Halloween Kill, so why is he so diminished here? Oh, he's got long COVID. He's got long COVID. He's missing yeah. his uh, sense of smell, and that's really thrown him off. Uh, there's also – it's so funny that, that watching this again, I noticed talking about Michael's strength. They're playing with more like are they, aren't they about how the Michael's maybe mystical powers. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. Like kills just like to the to the point of parody. Like there's no way, <laughs> you know, he survived yeah. this. But like we first meet Michael in the sewers and he's like almost like a hunchback of Notre Dame mm-hmm. sort of like – um igor you know down there but after he gets the first kill his posture like straightens and it's all spooky and still again um so like there's like there's 
there's something there that's that's implying that he gets stronger as he's sated, you know, from these kills. Maybe he's the same. Maybe he's the same race of like extra dimensional being as Pennywise, and he like feeds on the fear of people, or he feeds on the kills or something. Crossover. Yeah, I gotta find this tweet that was about how Mary Poppins is the same race as Pennywise. Oh God. It's- <laughs> Oh, I've seen that. That one's great. Where I'll put it on the roll calling feed. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, I get it. So he's, he's, it's been that he hasn't been killing for four years. That's why he's weak. Uh, that's what, I mean, the, the, the homeless man that's right outside the sewer makes the illusion that like every now and then he takes people in. I think it's people that just like wander by and he'll mm-hmm. just snatch them um but largely i don't think he's left that cave in a long time and uh, it definitely seems like there is a a spiritual mystical whatever you want to call it like connection between cory and michael where michael like dubs cory his protege and they seem to be i don't know you know enchanting him or Whatever, they're, fueling they're a the evil dyad. of him. Yeah, they're a force. <laughs> this movie does have some big uh, Rise of Skywalker. It does have a lot of that, and I feel like it's <laughs> the dead speak. <laughs> Don't ask us how, so but much. Palpatine has returned. <laughs> the dead speak. Um, I feel like just like Halloween twenty eighteen and Halloween Kills, I mm-hmm. I think this one still fits the pattern of Michael is just doing Michael, and like mm-hmm. everyone else is like putting a narrative around him mm-hmm. um but it does i feel like there is a call out to like halloween four it, where at the, at the very end of the movie they kill michael but his soul or whatever goes into young jamie and she becomes the new shape and then in halloween mm-hmm. five jamie has this weird psychic connection with michael myers that they and i feel like this like Corey cunningham is kind of playing with that too that michael was just there but Corey like we had that you know that moment where he looks in his eyes and it gives him like some sort of like clarity um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he's like, this whole town wants me to be a killer. And I, I've killed twice, both like heavily provoked. And one was like an accident. One was self-defense. But the whole town mm-hmm. sees me as this huge monster. Maybe I just give in, you know. Um, and Michael's just like, dude, I just looked at you like I, I didn't do anything. But, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I that that's what that's that's the fun speculation on my end. It's like yeah. looking into all the different possibilities. I think you're right that there's a weirdness about this movie that can be kind of engaging. And if you have Corey as a parallel for Michael and Allison, Lori's granddaughter, as a parallel for Lori, then like Mm -hmm. having an explicit like serial killer final girl relationship is kind of interesting. Um, I just don't know if it particularly builds to anything. And I think it's hard because the movie is just trying to weave in all this, this like Lori context. And I think you were saying this before, Ned, that the town like is blaming Lori for bringing Michael back, which I don't think is what happened in the other two movies. And this movie doesn't seem, but this movie seems to think that is what happened. It doesn't seem like that is a, the town has misinterpreted things uh, point that the movie's making it just all feels very confused as to how Lori is fitting into this story but she has to be there and be the climax because we need to sell jamie lee curtis so it all just gets like pretty muddled by the end you know yeah i felt like Lori worked as the suspicious mother figure i think that actually Lori worked more in the Lori, allison cory mm-hmm. triangle it was just like 
I I did it was it was it was specifically her final act with Michael, which unfortunately is like the climax of the movie, but it's sort of an anticlimactic climax in my opinion. Because they just have a, a fight very much like the first film, except less intense. But I did think her sort of suspicions and her challenging relationship with Allison. I always give it's, it's Allison, mm-hmm. right? Because the actor's name is Andy, and I get them, I get it twisted. But yeah, I thought that worked as a sort of a continuation of her character, and they they could have done some interesting stuff by leaning on leaning on the fact that like. Karen used to think that Lori was paranoid, but now Karen is gone, and now Andy, Allison is sort of getting there. I thought that, like, her suspicions of Corey, like her intuition that something was wrong with him was interesting. But again, I wasn't sure exactly what... I guess I'll say this. I did not call the Corey stuff going the way it was going to go, particularly from mm-hmm. the beginning. I was interested in this idea of, like, what do you do when you're, like, I mean, I don't know about innocent. Is it innocent is a sort of a nice, clean word, like, but, but certainly, like, sort of much more maligned by this, like, sort of horrible mistake that he made. Like, what does it do when everybody has, like, figured him for a killer? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a curious idea, although I don't know that I think, like, his transformation through, like, magical connection to Michael. I don't know. Again, it's like I feel like there are interesting ideas there. It just didn't like all click into place. I mean, I thought that Corey was like, I think the performance was good. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this movie you talking Caroline about there's a, there's a weirdness to it. Mm-hmm. I think there's absolutely a weirdness. It has like this sort of uh, uh, VHS midnight movie, mm-hmm. you know, sort of t- tone to it of mm-hmm. like two you know traumatized youths that are influenced by a serial killer in the sewers and they decide to like join in you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think that that's i don't know i i walked out of this movie and i had like this thought of like i feel like in 10 years people are going to start to like come around to this a little I bit see that. like huh. you know what i mean that people are going to be like well doesn't Halloween? i feel like halloween 3 has a sort of cult following of its own yeah halloween 3 is beloved now exactly i love halloween yeah. 3 everyone hated it at the time um i feel like i i could be wrong but this is just one where I'm like, I feel like if we just like, yes, as a third movie, it's, it, you know, if just like in Halloween 3 when it came out, if you were walking in expecting mm-hmm. without, you know, press Another tours Michael and Myers, all this that yeah. we have now, it's a really disappointing movie. I feel like for this, if you're expecting like a conclusion that the marketing team was like, it's a Laurie and Michael showdown, also it's a pretty disappointing movie. Mm-hmm. But like as a like a this this like midnight sort of like night ride of a, of a weird movie i i think a lot of it works mm-hmm. and i'm i'm really interested too because this happened with halloween kills when it came out um on 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 blu-ray they had an extended version and i thought the extended version was so much better in like oh, a weird way it adds like 20 minutes to the movie and changes the tone like completely mm. instead of being like this like funny yeah, angry <laughs> thing it was like this really sad movie wow like at the, I feel like I sound like a Schneider Cut bro a little bit. Like, just watch twenty more minutes of it, and you'll get it. You know, like, <laughs> no, hit us, man. Tell us what's tell us what's in there. I'm curious. I mean, I feel like it just by extending things, the the cuts don't put you off as much. Like I always yeah. think about this in Halloween Kills when you have Tommy Doyle up there doing like slam poetry, talking yeah. about how my, you know he hates Michael, yes. and like the actual one, he's up there like just like really like like a vet talking about people mm. he lost. And it's so it doesn't have this like goofiness to it. It has this like kind of sadness that the the room instead of laughing at him is kind of like, 
you're coming on a little strong for our Halloween party. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh-huh. they're, they're different vibes. And that sounds better because they fumbled the bag with Tommy Doyle in the original cut. Absolutely. Cut. Yeah, it, they did. I like I, I thought it was so exciting they got Tommy Doyle. I thought it was so exciting that we got um, – um, gosh, now I'm awful. Uh, nurse. Uh, Kyle. Oh, yeah, um, Richards. Kyle Richards. Who should have had more to Lindsay. do. Should have had more Lindsay. to do in this movie. I agree I think because they brought her back because she was great in the last yeah. one. Yeah, it's it's strange. So I wonder if there is a longer cut where things get filled in a bit more. Mm-hmm. I know I've read there's the the novelization is already out there and people are already saying the novelization is actually really fun for this one. So oh. if you're a fan of novelizations, there's like expanded ideas that like um, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting all over the place. But with Halloween no, Kills, it, it. The, the longer version of it, I walked away going, I wouldn't still say it was my favorite of them, but I feel like this is a better movie. Mm-hmm. It's not as crowd-pleasing. It's not as like, yeah, look at all the kills. It's more like, my God, this is a rampage through a town that's like really upset, you know? Huh. Um, but going for the theme of what it's going from the first one, I think it was like a really dark success in my hand. Mm-hmm. Better success than, than the theatrical. And I feel like this might be the same way with this one when – if there is an extended cut or deleted scenes or whatever, I wonder if there's there's more footage out there that like fills in some of these blanks. I would like to see that. I would like to have some of my some things clarified. I was like, I definitely there were moments where I, like like Corey, I was like, what's his boss doing at his house? Oh, is that his dad? <laughs> oh, I I missed something about that. What's the deal with his mom? What's the deal with that whole relationship there? Mm-hmm. I, I I do think like I would like to see an extended properly paced cut i would also probably just watch this watching this exact same cut a second time particularly after having this conversation with yourself brian and your <laughs> and your good-hearted appraisal of it i would probably enjoy it more spending less time being like what the fuck is this movie even doing and just like trying to lean in cuz i just feel like there were things i dug about it you know i thought the characters as we got set up i thought the characters were Interesting. I thought the beginning scene mm-hmm. was like very interesting and definitely disturbing to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not not in a way that felt Ooh. ill calibrated. It was like when they cut to that title, I was like, oh fuck me. Yeah. So so you know, the scene in which uh for, for anyone who maybe doesn't remember or is curious, so in which sort of like promising young high school senior getting ready to go off to college, Corey Cunningham is babysitting this kid and they do i think a very effective kind of fake out where you're expecting michael to be in the house but it ends up being a prank that the 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 kid is playing and in trying to like break out of the prank Corey ends up causing the kid to fall like three stories down to his death right as his parents walk in the room and like lean over his like bloody broken body and look up and scream, "What have you done?" Yeah, and then it oh, just yeah. like goes right to title. And I was like, that Michael Myers less first scene into the title card. I was like, okay, interesting. What? Wh- where is this going? Mm-hmm. And it follows by a sort of a clunky voiceover, which I wonder if that is was something else that would be not a part of a director's cut. Um, of Nancy Myers say, yeah. Curtis being like, <laughs> "Here I am, Diane Keaton at my beach house, <laughs> hanging yes, out with exactly. Jack Nicholson." <laughs> people have started killing themselves and other people, or something, or or something since Michael Myers is gone, and it's bad in Haddonfield, and it's quite the shift to have this Laurie who is sort of like 
sunny and optimistic, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yes. And and I think it kind of makes sense. Like, you, you kind of have to just make the leap with the movie. But this idea that she spent her entire life as this really intense, emotionally repressed prepper whose, like, only goal in life was to save, was to protect her family from Michael then having lived through the worst case scenarios of all of her fears coming true, Michael coming back and her daughter being killed. Like she kind of has nothing but to shift away. And and the only place to shift is like nice lady with a nice haircut who writes books and like bakes pumpkin pies at <laughs> Halloween. Flirts with Hawkins in the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Flirts with Hawkins at the grocery store. And it's interesting. I think it, this version of Laurie brought a little more of the sort of Jamie Lee Curtis real life lightness and goofiness. And that was kind of fun to watch. Like, I can see an argument. It also doesn't quite make sense. Like, it is a strange reaction to be like, my daughter getting murdered was what made me happy and like buy a house decide not to worry anymore right but i i kind of get it as a strange like some kind of strange trauma and grief response and i think it's fun to see jamie lee curtis in this lighter mode and this strange like friendship she has with Corey at first and she's the one that introduces Corey to allison and then all of a sudden she's like wait a minute he has the devil's eyes don't date him anymore and it's like you really played yourself Lori. you set this all up yeah yeah i think that's the the it is a whiplash coming from 2018 to halloween kills where halloween kills in the hospital she's almost manic in like that you know becomes the loomis almost Mm -hmm. of the series in that movie going he is the devil and we have to like he will never stop blah blah blah. and then Mm -hmm. hard i think they did they don't excuse me even though they put the the year cards at the beginning of the movie i they really downplay that four years has passed Mm -hmm. you know in that time and i also think that you know she was a recluse for the whole time for years in the woods and now she has, since her daughter has died, she has somewhat adopted, um, um, uh, at, oh, God, oh my gosh, what's her name? <laughs> Allison. Um, Allison. I was like, A, I was like thinking <laughs> Ashley. I'm like, no. I'm telling you, there's something that's tricky about, yeah, because, yeah, anyway. So she's kind of adopted, she got, she has a family again. Mm-hmm. And she, they're living in the same True. roof and she like, she's not alone. And I feel like that does a lot for healing if yeah, you're not just by yourself all the time. So, but I think that's all like. I'm filling in those blanks for the movie. The movie isn't really showing that in a lot of ways. Um, but I do agree that it's giving J- Laurie or Jamie Lee Curtis so much to play on. Mm-hmm. Um, especially my favorite my favorite quote of the movie when she's carving the pumpkin and like, <laughs> do you know what yeah, line I know I'm exactly talking about? What you mean. <laughs> yes, I do. Can too. I say it? Please online? do. Oh Please. my God. Because I had to write the quote down. I, I cheered when it happened. Um, she's carving the pumpkin and she's trying to like, you know, encourage – Allison to like get out there and you know find something new and she says you need to find someone that can let go all while she's carving a pumpkin by the way handfuls (laughs) of pumpkin guts you Mm -hmm. need to find someone who can let go someone who makes you want to rip off your shirt and show grief your fucking tits and say you know what let's go and she throws the guts on the ground (laughs) while like flipping off the camera and I'm like like we go to zero to a hundred in this like small bit in a way that only Jamie only, Lee Curtis could. Only JLC could. Um, yeah, it's totally, incredible. totally her real life personality. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> or at least her her like you know a public facing personality is like that that's her that's her that's totally her mode to the point where frankly i thought it was a little bit a little bit world breaking that line i was like i don't know if lori but i don't know whatever who am i to say who am i to say anyway i think that I, was leaning in just more to the goofiness that like was like yeah. working maybe because the movie like tit like I don't know, like gave me the hint a bit more in the beginning, like right at the beginning in that opening, that chilling scene before mm-hmm. any of that happens. There's this like straight to the camera where Corey Cunningham goes, we're going to have fun tonight, like directly mm-hmm. to the camera. He does. Winking. Yeah, I like that. And I feel like that was like such a wink to the audience of like, it's going to get weird. And mm-hmm. like, um, and like really asking you to get on the ride because it, it if you stop to think about a lot of it, 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 it really doesn't work. But I don't know. I I, uh, I got a lot of respect for it that it keeps. Maybe saying. I wish. Maybe I wish it had gotten weirder then, because I just yeah. felt like. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a good call. I'm also hearing you to describe, hearing us get into the Corey Laurie story a little bit. Oh wow! I'm just now realizing Corey that their names rhyme. Yeah, that's got to be something, right? Something. I mean, his name is definitely something because the movie's also like an homage to a lot of Carpenter movies, mm. not just that. The movie's, again, a lot of masters, is a lot of ideas mm-hmm. happening, but uh-huh. um, the Corey's whole character is a lot, it's very similar to um, Archie Cunningham, which is the character from Christine. And the movie about Christine is the, ki- the, the really dorky kid finds this like car that's possessed and he himself, the, the like the evil is like spreading onto him and he starts mm. becoming evil which is really kind of the same situation that's happening with Corey and michael and it's another alliteration michael myers Corey cunningham, yeah. Corey cunningham. Yeah. aren't yeah. they the cunninghams on happy days i was gonna say archie cunningham is not the same as richie cunningham oh, which is ron howard on richie Cunning- yeah cunningham definitely conjures up happy days for me but not in this film <laughs> i yes. think sorry arnie I had to check my notes. It's Arnie Cunningham. Arnie. Not Arnie. Arnie. Sorry. Okay. Corey I'm so sorry. I know Corey. there were a lot of viewers that were like, hold on. Corey. <laughs> Corey Cameron. Oh, shit. Um, I think this movie is helped a lot by Rowan Campbell's performance as Corey Cunningham. I think he's like mm-hmm. a fascinating mm-hmm. presence in this movie. He's sort of, mm-hmm. he's very good. He doesn't look the way like people in movies usually look if that makes Mm -hmm. sense like i think he is quite an attractive person but in a sort of weird like nerdy way yeah that i think Mm -hmm. is particularly with his glasses and his hair he's got a it's an interesting like i I, i'm trying to i'm having this thought as we're discussing the cory lori story that to me is like i don't know if this is a strength i don't know if i i'm complaining about this or if i find this is a strength of the movie but I literally think it like it starts as a movie about a guy who is not a monster, but everyone thinks he is, and only Laurie like really yeah. sees that he's not. Mm-hmm. And then it like flips to be a movie about a guy who actually is secretly like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Laurie also senses that. Mm-hmm. And I guess the turning point is he gets he like has his little underworld moment, you know, mm-hmm. to put it in monomyth terms. He gets knocked off a bridge and almost dies, and then he goes into the sewers, and then he gets half choked by Michael. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I am a hundred percent sold on that being a thing that flips him from like everyone said I'm a monster, but truly I'm not. To actually I am. I just don't feel like that journey actually like had enough stages in it. Maybe mm-hmm. is my feeling but but i don't know and i i do think that 
you know, on the note of his performance, like he actually does both those modes pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I buy him, and yeah, I guess I, I guess I guess I should say that's the strength of the film because I buy him as like this is a good kid. He just needs a chance. He just needs someone to believe in him. And I also buy him as like, you know, sneering back over at Laurie being like, I'm evil and I know it and you know it, but you can't prove it. And I'm going to steal your granddaughter. I think the thing that I struggle with is this idea that part of the reason Corey goes evil is because he is living in a highly suspicious town that because of Michael Myers does not show him the support that a normal community would and be able to heal him. So he is forced to like, instead of being healed from this traumatic event, he has to like go evil. I feel like his mom explicitly says that at one point, And I think the movie kind of agrees with that point of view, but that is actually what doesn't track logically to me. Like I think the idea that the only place in which you would be ostracized for sort of accidental like a really horrific accidental manslaughter is Haddonfield, Illinois. I kind of feel like I could see that happening in any town. Like it's unfortunate. It's a horrible situation for everyone, but I don't buy the idea that the only reason people are judgmental of him is because they've experienced Michael Myers. And you kind of have to buy into that for this whole idea of this being like a Haddonfield specific story to work. Yeah. I think that, I think that's that, that's right on the money. I think that I think it would exist anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I think that the the circumstances are just are, are maybe too eerie for the town of Haddonfield because he was a babysitter and mm-hmm. it was a kid that died. Um, I do like also, when the kid is like Michael know, Myers doesn't kill kids; he kills babysitters. He kills babysitter, which that's a fun inversion too. I don't know if anyone caught the original working title for Halloween was the Babysitter Murders, and this oh. movie is now a weird inverse that the that's Babysitter fun. Murders. The Babysitter uh, Murders. That's my, Ooh. my favorite installment oh, of the Babysitters like Club. It's so good. Anyway, but I feel like that like the year right after the massacre of 2020 or like or 2018, because mm-hmm. 2018 was all the same night. The one year later, we now have this really gruesome kid, like death of this yeah. boy done yeah. at the hands of a babysitter. That yeah. like this town is just like maybe just really touchy on babysitter murders, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like um that they like, maybe have a lot less sin- babysitter and maybe murders. it's just a small town you know that like yeah uh, he's he's i mean just in this movie as he's trying to be he tries very hard to like not be in anyone's business and yet he keeps sure. stumbling into it's people those that goddamn wanna, band kids that just won't band kids, leave him alone he runs into the mom at the bar you know that like yeah that was a tough scene he did yeah, it was a tough scene i thought yeah i thought that angle i also love that bar scene when he like it was interesting because to their credit, like, when he was in that little scarecrow mask, still in his, like, he's a good kid. It's in a rom-com, like, mode of the movie. Or not a rom-com, but maybe, like, a, Dark you know, what romances. I was like, YA, YA teen no, dramas. No, totally. You know? He, I mean, him and Aunt Alice, Aunt Allison mm-hmm. really had that, that vibe going. But something about seeing him in that little scarecrow mask, and, like, I was like, hmm, that's kind of a, that's kind of a serial killer-ish image. Interesting. It's very similar to the little little Michael mask too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, a that tiny little bit clown. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I liked I liked him in that scene. I liked when he um, did his like dance and got all on the ground. I thought yeah. that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. And yeah, him running into the mom is like tricky. It is just a very haunting setup to have this like horrible accidental death 
that just defines you. Like that alone, this could just be a movie that is completely disconnected from the Halloween franchise at all. And could yeah, just be, it could about be a, a spinoff. I think just, it would have worked better as a spinoff. Yeah. You that know, had that this like, happen to him and then becomes defined by it. Yeah. And tries to, it, there's an, I actually think it's an interesting scene when Allison's like, well, you and I are the same because we're both had this trauma. And he's like, well, we're not the same because I was the perpetrator of the trauma and you are the survivor of it. So like, we're not, experiencing it the same way again does that build to anything like no but i think it's interesting mm-hmm. in the but moment it's a cool idea yeah there's interesting ideas in there i will also just say like he was one of those uh i mean you know horror movies are about screaming at people to stop making mistakes and they do them anyway and that's horror movies but it was another case of i'm like why don't you move out of haddonfield dude yeah. <laughs> everyone here too. hates you get the fuck out of town you're stuck in yeah. haddonfield yeah yeah, yeah. if you bike out of haddonfield you find yourself biking back into haddonfield <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes. Talk about underexplored, but I think relatively compelling things like his weirdo dynamic with his mom, which oh, I yeah. actually think there's something there that got the <laughs> biggest reaction of the entire movie. Ned from our audience was when the mom like kisses him or tries to kiss him. Like I, yeah. I mean, our audience would try to kind of. I think people were struggling to get like you know a go Lori chant In going it. or whatever, yeah. but. That scene, everyone was like, "Whoa, what the? What Whoa. the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, my the group I saw it with. That's the ride home. That's all they could talk about. Yeah, it's like, hold on, let's talk about. Let's go to Corey. Yeah, and his mom. I mean, I think that's a, you talk about the similar mask uh, that he has. I think this movie is t- doing a whole dissection of a lot of different things, but also like a nature versus nurture thing, where mm-hmm. Michael is like the biggest anomaly of just like one day the kid just shut off and was just evil, and whereas this guy, he is a good kid. And he doesn't just immediately shut off. There's like a, there's like a progression where the, the 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 circumstances and all these bad luck and this kind of drive him to the point where then he swaps. Mm-hmm. That, so I don't know. I, I love that line where Laurie's talking about like you can't evil doesn't die; it just changes shape. As a Halloween fan, I I gave me a little bit of chills. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that that. But like this gave the best, the most compelling case of maybe any of the Halloween movies that you can make another kind of michael myers that like yeah. is just as ferocious in a way is that like once you put on the mask like a lot of the kills once the movie started going with like the with the mm-hmm. the slasher bits like uh of the, of the trilogy there was some like all-timers in here the whole like junkyard bit i was like whole like blushing i was like some gnarly <laughs> yeah. stuff yeah i'm, a, I'm like <sighs> yeah i'm clearly so ambivalent about all the kill the killing stuff because like i have my sort of like how do i feel about this like morally ethically artistically but i'm also like yeah, they 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 came up with some gnarly shit there. That is a like it's a genre where you create spectacular kill sequences, and that like one two three four punch of the band the band bullies oh going down one at a time. I I have to gnarly. say I actually thought the kills in this one were maybe not the actual like logistics of the death, but just something about the ways the kills were presented were the least satisfying to me of all three. Yeah. I would say like when I think back. I actually think that was that was part of the reason I would put kills above this one. It's like I feel like I just remember the sort of like tense sequence where they're they're at a playground and Lindsay's hiding mm-hmm. and I kind of like that stuff or in the first one when when Michael like makes a jack-o'-lantern out of somebody's head like I oh, feel like I there's that. more things that so stick creative. out and this so one talented. yeah what an artist this one was gruesome soul. but i actually feel like it was i don't know it was missing some of the creativity and it i think it was trying to go for a more stripped back thing but that made it it ended up making it feel less fun 
for me. Maybe they should have made Corey like less creative, and then Michael should have like done a whole diorama. <laughs> it's with like Corey step aside, son. I'm gonna teach you. Instead of snapping his neck, he should have like you know put him up and like you know pinned him up and made like a scarecrow out of him while he was like bleeding out or something. <laughs> he is so talented. He's so special. <laughs> He's. <laughs> you love him. You like him. I don't agree you? with that. I I love Michael, but yeah. you're you the know. Laurie Strode of our pod. You've brought Michael Keep upon it. us. You love you him. Brought him. Oops. My sister is paralyzed and somehow not dead, and she blames you now. That was that was a shock. She got like rocked by that. Yeah. Okay, too, but nothing so. will be wilder than Hawkins getting stabbed in the neck and run over by a car in the first one, and then just being fine in number two, and now just yeah, living his life. Run over. Now yeah. he's living his life. He's learning he's, Japanese. He's yeah, a tough old the bastard. Cherry blossoms. He's so good. Yeah. I agree with the the kills being. Um, less satisfying mm-hmm. but i felt like i don't know there, there's something a way that they were that resonated especially the the junkyard bit for me like mm-hmm. the one thing i the image that i keep thinking is like in the foreground that's like blurred the like blowtorch bit that the guy was Ooh. like going right into the mouth but it's like out of focus mm-hmm. and instead yeah. you're just seeing the person in the background watching it and screaming that like yeah. that like i don't know that's just a composition really hit of like this is horrifying yeah, I don't know. It just like made there's like different perspectives that I thought this one brought into it a little bit. Um, I know we're talking about Halloween uh, ends, but did you guys see the new Hellraiser? No, <laughs> no, hit me. Oh, there was there was just there was one bit in there that was like had made me think of a similar thing where the Cenobites they're 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 yucky bad boys, <laughs> you know. They're but they, at one point nasty boys, those nasty Cenobites. boys. One one of the Cenobites puts like a uh, a needle through the neck of somebody and the like, hair mark goes like in like interior of her throat and so you watch the needle go through while her vocal cords are like screaming and it was like oh. just like that like different perspective oh. makes me go like i didn't think about it that way and yeah, I'm, now i'm upset in a new way like that yeah. same thing with this halloween ends that i felt like there were just different bits of like like seeing michael's face in the sewers I was like, I haven't seen that before. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit, you know? <laughs> it was a good shocking moment towards the end when Corey and Lori are having their kind of final confrontation. And she's like, you have to stay away from Allison. He's like, if I can't have her, no one will. And you think he's going to attack Lori or attack Allison, but he stabs himself in the neck. That was a real mm-hmm. like, whoa, this guy is on a different level. Mm-hmm. And so that was yeah. a good little moment, I think. I like to be surprised. There were surprises mm-hmm. in there. That was... That was a good one. That was a little like chess move. What do we think of the uh, um, really the annihilation of Michael's body uh, in the, the that? procession? That's kind of um, a bit that I keep coming back to of like, I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah. I was not a fan of the procession. I thought it was too self-serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The like, the like police car parade and everybody coming out. And I mean, I'll, I'll say that I like, I like things that run between movies and I like that this you know, like you get the kid from the first movie and the nurse from the second movie. N- not the nurse, the the woman who got uh, lighting tubed in the throat. Mm-hmm. The sheriff, who in every movie I assume, oh, this will be the movie that he has a this big role in. This movie where they do something with him. He has such a presence in the five yeah. seconds he's in each movie. I, you know? I do kind of like the energy where they're like, "Well, this isn't how we usually do things," and he was like, "Fuck it, this is how we're doing it tonight." Evil dies tonight. Evil, Evil dies, dies tonight. tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was. I guess I was rolling my eyes at that point, and I and so I did through that exchange where he's like, "It is now, rookie cop. We're doing this thing." Yeah, I didn't care for the procession. I just thought I was like, 
you have not got me emotionally invested enough to feel cathartic about this. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I do have mixed feelings about is uh, they showed us that that grinder thing multiple times through the movie, and every time I just thought, okay, yeah, it's establishing that it's a junkyard. But man, seeing Michael like literally like like churned up into puppy chow. That's strong image. I mean, that's it like... Was. yeah. I don't know, you guys. I watched his freaking head get chopped off in H2O, and then they just brought him back again. So I'm like, whatever. Because it wasn't him. It was the dude. And yeah. then the- <laughs> so they'll just do that again yeah. for this one. I'm not... Because Laurie didn't get rid of the mask. It's still there. Yeah. Evil just changes shape. I think this continuity will be done is what I actually... Like, behind the scenes, sure. I think the idea is that Blumhouse is now like... They're done. They had, they're done. The rights now revert to Malik Akkad. Um He's like son, and yeah, the or, son of son yeah. of Mustafa. Um, but um, so sure, Michael Myers will be back, but but in this one, I mean, but of course, like if they wanted to make more, they just say like, yeah, he, it was somebody else. It was wrong. Uh, a witch, yeah. a witch put him back together. <laughs> I don't know. They should have like a Chucky situation where he's all sewn back together. You know, whoa, like, that would yeah, be a lot one. of sewing. The man is <laughs> yeah. ground beef. He is toothpaste, right? <laughs> yeah, now, but toothpaste. yeah. <laughs> it is a weirdly. It's such an anticlimactic ending that I'm like, is that the point of it? That we're, I don't know. It, it doesn't have that satisfying. Uh, Halloween 2018, like Judy Greer, gotcha. It's not a, yeah. it's not a jail. It's a cage or whatever. Like it, it, that was such a satisfying, like fuck yeah moment. And I feel like there mm-hmm. were times, like I could feel this in our audience. There were times where our audience wanted to be like fuck yeah, like we're clapping. But there, like the, movie the suicide was not, fake out. Yeah, yeah. Had was the last moment of that for sure. And and even that, I feel like people were kind of like okay, <laughs> like well, yeah, I yeah. guess that was because cool, but because the moments leading up to it were so confusing. I was like, wait, why would she be killing herself? Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand how that actually would have been a plot. Like what. How would faking it out and calling the, like, what was part of the plan? It just, like, it was staged like it was a gotcha moment, but I actually wasn't sure, like, who had been got and how. Sure. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. But so after that, you're right. It was, like, it just kind of, like, slowly, like, wound down. And, like, the, like, slow cutting of his throat. Do I like that? I, I kind of like when she pinned him down on the table, like with one arm up and one arm down, like a little weird paper doll. And sort of like, yeah. we're going to get each of his limbs. Mm-hmm. I think I just question this franchise's decision to make these mo- these second two movies so much about Haddonfield. Because mm-hmm. it's like, everyone in this movie is, is talking to Lori, like, Lori, you did this. But from their point of view, shouldn't they be mad at like Tommy Doyle? Like... Lori was not. Lori was in a hospital and didn't interact with anyone that night. Haddonfield right. went crazy because of a vigilante mob that was mostly stirred up by Tommy Doyle and his friends. Right, and so that really, like, I don't know. They just have a. This movie tries to weave the Haddonfield and the Lori stuff together, but I'm like, I watched the other movies. I don't understand how the town is understanding anything that's happened. So therefore, a scene where the whole town comes together to sort of take him out i was like i don't know what i'm latching on to here like i don't know what the town's arc is supposed to be that's fair yeah i mean because largely from the first movie she should have been validated by the town right i've been telling you all these years She's like i was the only one that told you and now well i mean that's (laughs) i I think they just (laughs) i mean it's just it's like there was they're doing a a sort of like beauty and the beast love thing with with they're clearly interested in doing it with Allison, god damn it! Uh, you guys, you guys gotta have the Wikipedia and- page up. If it helps, it's two L's and a Y. Not the way I would have thought it was spelled. 
Really? But I'm going to keep in my brain being like the character of Andy played by Allison <laughs> Matichek, you know, because I don't have it in, clearly in my head. The, they were they wanted to do a like love and danger thing. Right. Like love the killer thing with Allison and Corey. Yeah. And so they're like, we'll do, we'll parallel that with Lori and Michael, except like there was no evidence of it or set up for it. So that, that felt whiplashy to me. Right. It but, was you that know, freaking new Loomis that really, again, is the one to blame. Like that's where the town needed to put their. Yes. But he's dead. He's dead. So we can't, we need a, a live one, you know? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the theory. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't put like an evil journalist character, you know? It does. It is weird that we're kind of missing a Loomisy figure. He's huge. He's like it wasn't just Michael and Laurie, it was also Loomis. I feel like Loomis is the large reason the first one works so well. Yeah. He's just been the like the, I remember I, reading that early test screenings of Halloween didn't work without the music. Like it mm. d- also doesn't work without a dude running around telling you this just normal guy in a mask yeah. is the embodiment of evil, you know? <laughs> yeah. That like you yeah. You lose all. He's. The, I always joke that he's the hype man for the movie, but he's the dude <laughs> yeah. running around like he's yeah. coming back. He's got the the darkest eyes, the devil's eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I and I don't know. I feel like having a survivor uh, say that maybe has a, a different yeah um, um, accountability mm-hmm. or, or believability. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they could have done something about like. I don't know, somebody just like they could have done something about there actually being a conversation about Corey, like everyone. I don't know. It's again, like there's all these like almost things in this yeah, movie, but for me, it didn't like, quite vibe together. Um, I was and I, I think like I've been thinking about the, the, the like the Corey journey and the like. I'm like, I actually think if it's like 10 steps to becoming a serial killer, I actually think they do steps one through five really well. Mm-hmm. And then they just skip six seven and eight and go right to like nine and ten and well they're kind of leaning a lot on that idea that michael is somehow i think that there is supposed to be this kind of like a mystical element which actually i think becomes something of a cop-out because then they're saying like oh Corey himself was good but he was possessed by evil and so therefore i don't know is that a satisfying idea does he have like a does he have a willem dafoe like the goblin did it or am i just creating that no i think there's definitely an energy of that there's like there was the good Corey, who every death he caused was genuinely an accident and then he kind of gets Mm -hmm. somehow enchanted by michael and this like evil takes hold of him that some people can see and then that's like when the when the dad of the kid that dies is like i looked in his eyes and that wasn't the kid who used to mow my lawn like that was that Mm -hmm. was pure evil there yeah I th- there, yeah, there is the suggestion of uh, Michael being the evil being contagious, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this was a post-COVID movie, how that would have landed a little oh. bit more, you know. Um, mm. I also, when I heard when they were filming it that they were going to address COVID, I was like, please don't, yeah. please do not do that. But now after seeing it, I'm like, mm, I know, wish they worked, had, you know, yeah. like maybe it would have worked a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that like the evil is contagious a bit, and they. There's so many of the Halloween sequels that like touch on that, mm-hmm. that like people in his vicinity uh, mm-hmm. inadvertently like kind of like join his orbit. Lori not being exempt for that. I think that she's, um, I, I don't know, that there's, she unwittingly puts, you know, him right in his path, uh, young Corey Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and puts and, him but in I her think, daughter's, her granddaughter's yeah, path. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, and I feel like she, yeah, she's also, also like, like a, like a soothsayer a bit that like yeah. she can see it right away that like when the influence is like 
passed on or something. Um, but this is, you know, all of this stuff that the things I'm raving about, it's like I'm, I'm projecting onto the movie, <laughs> you know, that like that I'm like, I'm wanting the movie to be all these different things that I like from the series. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of nuggets that were intentional, but I, I'm not saying they were, any of them were successful. I'm just like, but you're doing it, you know? And yeah. I, I think that's exciting. Well, now I'm like, is there something... I respect that. Is there something to Corey being like half... Like, Lori is the angel on his shoulder and Michael is the devil on his shoulder. And it's like, he becomes the personification of this battle of the two of them in which case maybe his name should have been maury because then he could have been a michael laurie <laughs> tuesdays with maury yeah that would have been yeah. incredible i'm like i'm like i wish that it, you know what i that's a fun idea all these like the angel and the devil on his shoulder like fighting for a soul i'm like okay that's a cool idea because it actually didn't feel like there was a fight for a soul it felt like he was good and then like yeah. snapped. And then he swat, was bad yeah snapped and like the idea of but, like, that's a cool idea. And, like, the idea of, like, the evil passes to him tickles for me that I've always enjoyed the, like, the movie's not supernatural or is it? You know, I always mm-hmm. like things. Mm-hmm. I like the device of things that seem probably supernatural, but you can never all the way prove it. That's a tension that I always find dramatic when it's, like, were they possessed or did they just, like, change? You know, that that's that's always enjoyable for me. And, like, yeah, the fact that, like, these things all worked for you, you know, like respect. I'm glad. That's a <laughs> that's awesome. For me, I'm like, I don't know exactly. I right now I would say I still I still think of this maybe fondly, but as a kind of a stinky movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh but I'm like, you know, I'm not mad about it. I I don't I'm not mad when people people like it. it doesn't but I'm, I'm a like, little mad about it as a as a capper for Jamie Lee Curtis. I do think she deserved yeah. a little bit better, and maybe it should have just been Halloween 2018. Like that's fair. Clearly, she loves this franchise and she's happy to do it. So on that level, it's good. But I think she, I think we could have given her a strong a stronger ending here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really interested to read the book, the novelization. Mm-hmm. Like really, so I wish I would have done that before this because I would have been like, this is the movie. <laughs> like, is there some way that they could have all been in like Michael? Because it, it also irritated for me that like irritated me that like the movie was about Corey for three quarters and then like yeah. he exits and then the final thing is about Laurie and Michael, even though we haven't been seeing that. I'm like, if they'd actually been like in the mix with him in a clearer way. And I guess like you could say that that's what they're trying to do. I mean, he goes, he does murders with Michael. They go on their little murder field trip. <laughs> kill the I doctors. I mean, yeah, I feel like, yeah, the angel of Corey, you know, or the angel, Lori being the angel and Michael being the devil. I think it's kind of there. I mean, she's, I mean, they're, I think they're kind of a part of it. I don't mm-hmm. think, again, it's not as successful, but I feel like, yeah, I wonder if there's a way that this could have been edited to, like, actually fit all this stuff yeah. in or to leave more on the cutting room floor and, to, like, so more of this would have shown out. Because there's all these moments where Michael is, like, kind of present while he's killing, but Michael's just doing his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. uh, if people are to be killed, I will be here, but it's nothing to do with you, he's, you know? <laughs> he's just like, um, oh, I'm a boomer or millennial or or Gen X being like, Gen Z will save the world. I'll just sit over here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, that generation, they've got it covered. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to do it. Uh, I... Also, yeah. I remember hearing that the original ending was not testing well in early screenings, so they bring went that back up too. and what reshoot. Was so it? I think the I think they like I don't know how they exactly ended, but I think the procession and the meat grinder was added. 
to make um, it more of a I, it seemed I mean I don't have a ton of information either but it did seem like that was a this is not playing well let's specifically change it somehow which I don't think they really <laughs> solved that problem I don't think they nailed but, it. I think the well, original wonder, problem was people didn't believe Michael was actually gone sure yeah so I, I imagine I mean, it made it clear that he's probably gone now but those sort of shots of her like holding his hand and all like reflected in all the blood on the floor like that felt like the sort of like downbeat way that was supposed to end. Like I can see that quiet death leading into the like she's sitting on her porch and he's gone. And she's like, you know, Hawkins, something's got to give. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's pretty clear that David Gordon Green like did want to and Danny McBride. You know, I haven't met. We haven't mentioned him, but he, he co-wrote this and maybe someone else did as well. Yeah. I don't remember. There were four writers in this movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's well, a problem to begin with. A lot of so hands in this movie. Chris Ber- yeah. Bernier, Bernier and Paul Brad Logan are the other two. So it's pretty clear that Chris, Paul, Danny, and David like actually wanted to do a Michael is dead ending. Like, Michael's definitely dead. Like, I think they really want to do that, to be like, we are, it's done, he's dead. We want to see, like, what actually happens now, or raise that question of what actually happens now. But... Yeah, if you've seen him get, like, stabbed and beat with baseball bats by a mob in the previous movie, like, what reason would you, an audience member, have to accept the throat slitting as final? So I can imagine people being, like, just waiting for the jump scare, Mm -hmm. and then when the credits roll, being like, what? Which I guess is, like, maybe kind of fun in its own way, but I imagine people were, like, not pleased about it. So they're like, how about we... <laughs> Throw them into ground, a... ground beef, toothpaste. <laughs> pick your pick your metaphor. Although I'm not sure it was enough. This movie has not been well received, and no. I don't think has made a ton of money. Um, part of that million. is because it came out yeah. on Peacock the same day it hit theaters. But I also just think it has the, the energy around it has not been good, and I'm imagining that I'm imagine that's keeping a lot of casual fans away from checking it out. So a little bit mm-hmm. of a Womp womp to end this new trilogy. Yeah, I'm with. interested. I'm always. I, I'm not. I don't want to suggest that. Like, I don't know. Once the critic consensus comes out, I think that this happens sometimes. That the critic consensus comes out, and then it, it's it's kind of hard to disagree about one sure. way or another sometimes. Because mm-hmm. I do remember, like, the opening weekend, I was on Letterbox, and and it seemed like the audience reaction was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just watched it as the week went by, like drop. Yeah. And now it's it's gone. So. Um, uh, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, or am I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. See, I think it was all the like hardcore Halloween fans like you that saw it early that were like, I am digging the weird energy as it fits into a Maybe, 13 yeah. film series. And then all the normal people like Ned and I saw it and were like, we want basic storytelling tropes. <laughs> Give them That's to fair. us. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, that's exactly what you said. It's thirteenth movie of the franchise of like uh, franchise upset I obsess over that like it's my new toy. I'm gonna like even if it just like Halloween Kills. I saw that like ten times that week. Wow, like what? Just to like understand it, you know, because wow. it was free on Peacock, so I could, just you know, I didn't down. see it in the theaters. I this was just is like, why. I introed you as a spooky king. Like, dude, Brian, you're on another level. You know what's funny? I was just at a um, night fair in uh, Salem, Massachusetts last weekend. And what a century. Also in LA for spooky business, like just right before October's a busy month for me. Okay. (laughs) So I was in this night fair in the Pioneer Village in Salem where they shot Hocus Pocus, like the pioneer scenes. It's still a village. Then they had a whole spooky night fair. It was fun. Uh, Anyway. Listen to our Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2 episodes on the Happy Harvest Horror Show. Anyway. Please do. Please do. Please continue. 
Uh, I got my tarot read <gasps> in a uh, like a wagon cart, like a gypsy kind of Ooh. candlelit cart. And Sick. in the cart, she kept telling me that I am a king. And <gasps> ever since that, all week, people, the word king is coming. Whoa. So I'm just saying it's a little spooky that you keep saying that because I've been wow. ever since this last week. Been put out. So. Did you get the death? Did you get the death I card? But this. then Lindsay said, actually, it's okay. It means rebirth. No, I didn't. <laughs> that was her one Next line of the movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they brought her back yeah. for that one line. I did tip. There was all these like little... Um, uh, I guess performance artists that were all dressed up in spooky stuff and you could tip them and they would do something spooky. There was like a ghoul in a white sheet that I gave a little tip to right before I left and they gave me the, the hanged man tarot card, Ooh. which I was like, oh. thank you, you know? So um, yeah, it's just been a yeah. spooky week and mm-hmm. you saying spooky king is like, I don't Fits know. into it all. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. I'm loving that story. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I love genuine, genuine, personal spooky anecdotes. High spooky season. It sounds awesome going to Salem right now. That sounds like a treat. I think I got to start treating Halloween like an important like work time. <laughs> it's most like important time of the year. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say that um, Jamie Lee Curtis is not – she's done with Halloween, but she is not done with spooky because she's going to be in Disney's Haunted Mansion uh, movie that they're making. Which they mm-hmm. <laughs> they announced at D twenty three, which is Disney's like Disney's sort of self contained Comic Con just for Disney stuff. They mm-hmm. like announced the movie. <laughs> the way of putting they it. have her come out. Well, they have someone come out in one of the like chairs that you ride the haunted mansion ride in, and then like turn a, it around. A doom buggy, yeah, <laughs> doom in the middle buggy, of the yeah. stage, and it's like Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> so she will it's remain so a spooky queen even in other franchises. She's playing um, Madame Leota, right? Yes, I think that's right. The bass. Yeah. I I want that movie to be sweet because, like, I mean, I haven't revisited the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion since about six months after it came out. I thought you were going to say six months ago. It's not great. No, but I bet it's not great. And and Wallace and I did revisit it. And it wasn't great. I mean, I'm not surprised, EJ. You're you're a real Haunted Mansion head, right? I love Haunted Mansion. I thought the Muppets Haunted Mansion was pretty endearing. Okay, um, cool. Oh, I forgot they did that. I, I would thought check that, that was out. pretty cute. But yeah, it. I think there's a great movie in there somewhere and hope they find it this time. I mean, Haunted Mansion is a cooler yeah. ride than Pirates of the Caribbean. And they turned that into basically like one of the greatest fucking movies of all time. So. Pirates movies are super spooky. Those movies were scary, and oh, I feel yeah. like this movie. I mean, oh. just like the pirates, and just like Hocus Pocus two, that opening bit with like the the castle, and we're in spooky world now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just keep, just keep leaning into spooky, yeah. you know. Like yeah. Haunted Mansion is spooky. obsessed over by like just young goths everywhere, you know that like is it? That's great to know. I, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That like yeah. night, it, there's a pipeline between like Nightmare Before Christmas, Haunted Mansion, and you're forever spooky, you know that. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. Make a movie start for them. Believe it in haunted mansions. Your starter. You're in one. <laughs> Have I? Um. <laughs> speaking of Jamie Lee Curtis, did I say on the podcast that I saw everything everywhere all at once at, at South by Southwest premiere and Jamie Lee Curtis was no. there for it? Well, that happened this year. That was my other. Now that yeah. we're back on JLC, that was my other. Uh, my other JLC event of the year it was the directors, the Daniels, and all of the main cast people and. Yeah, Jamie was a a delight and like has become this sort of chaotic. I I feel like the biggest 
the biggest oh, everything everywhere all at once champion like for it fan yeah. and promoter yeah champion like representative you think about that time she wrote like honestly like a really like mean instagram post about dr strange and the multiverse of madness just kind of like for yeah. being there just like <laughs> she's like your movie <laughs> yeah. sucks our movie's actually really? good <laughs> it's it's quite endearing, and I will say there is definitely talk about that movie in general being an Oscar contender, and like potentially could Jamie be a supporting actress contender as a a nod to that movie, and also maybe just a sort of hey, we all really like this person, they should mm-hmm. get an Oscar nomination at some point. So it's kind of like a big year for yeah. for Jamie, Jamie, I think. We love Jamie. Yeah, we love yeah, her. we want good things for her. I I will say at when we watched Hall. Caroline, when you and I watched uh, Halloween Kills together, and at the end I was like, oh my god, they're killing Judy Greer, this is terrible. I feel like you were like, nah, she'll, they'll probably just fake it out and bring her back. I was but they didn't. That too. Did they made it more clear in the extended version, where the, the kill is actually a little, little longer, a little scarier, and mm-hmm. then Lori finally gets to the phone and calls Judy Greer the phone picks up and she just hears breathing and she goes and she like, Whoa. that's how she puts it together that her daughter's dead. Whoa. And then she's like, like leaves it off. I'm like, I'm coming for you, Michael, which that's what the marketing team wanted you to think too. But that largely didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys think yes, Lori was going to die in no. this one? I definitely had moments where I thought she I was, was going like to die. Positive. She was going to go, but I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's more optimistic that she didn't, but you know, um sure no i definitely was wondering i mean honestly even during the like suicide fake out scene i was like this movie has been might. so weird. I, guess I, like, wonder. I could see a world where this is just a really bizarre end to this that's funny caroline i did at that point because i'd been swerved so many times i was like maybe this is really about to happen and i was like in taking a, a deep intake of breath so that i could loudly go what when she did it but then mm-hmm. when they when they showed it off screen, I was like, oh, I think we're about to get a bait and switch. And we did. And it was it was a fun little moment. Yeah. Even if I didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. I Which is, I like, guess, the way yeah. to enjoy the movies. Yeah. I feel like Michael dying at this point, 13 movies in, is like, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll see. Sure. You know? So that, like, I We've felt like it. this movie, when they're like, one will die, I'm like, well, there's only one that I'll believe yeah. is dead. You know? And that's why I figured it would be Jamie. But Right. Here's the other question. I know that they've all said this is the end of the era for us. Do we think at some point Jamie Lee Curtis will come back as Laurie Strode again? Like I'm talking like 10 years from now or something. Will we get an an H5O? I mean, maybe. I mean, if she's still, you know, like rocking, which I mean, she very well might be. Maybe. We're getting an Indiana Jones 5. We know? are. Yeah. And how old is Harrison Ford? And I just mean like. He can do a successful franchise and then leave it for a really long time and then come back and then drop it for another really long time. She said it four <laughs> times now at this point that it's her last time. So, again, just like Michael. Well, maybe, you know. Oh, Hollywood people, they say shit. What does it mean? I kind of feel like I could see her coming back. I feel like this will be a... Or if even just a cameo of something, you know, that like even if it's not mm. a Lori... Because I feel like for Halloween... I don't know what to do in the future with it, but I feel like the Laurie Strode bit has maybe played its course of like every which way you could take it. Yeah. Okay. Time travel premise. She goes back in time and she gives birth to Michael. (laughs) It's a new angle. (laughs) That's a new angle. You're not wrong. Can't say it's not new. Can't say they've done it before. And I think that's, yeah, I think I'm that way with most movies nowadays that as long as you do something I haven't seen before, I'm probably going to get behind it in some way, you know, (laughs) that like... 
Halloween multiverse crossover, all the Laurie Strodes from all the different continuities come together. <laughs> it's just Jamie mocap. Do they all have to team up? I'm so baffled as to like what you could do with this franchise. 13 movies, and it's all essentially the guy kills people. It's a spooky music, you know? And it there's there's a secret sauce there. There's spooky music, you know? And a yeah. scary mask. I'm so glad you said it. I mean, it's like hard to remember to say it because it's so basic, but like, damn, does the music make this movie. Like when I had this on, I had it on on Peacock while I was like doing the dishes and whatever, answering emails and kind of half paying attention. That music kicks in. Like I'm immediately looking at the screen and doing a little dance to the music and just like totally vibing out. And that, that. That this movie is very much helped by that iconic Carpenter score, and their like variations on the theme are awesome because we're in a cool like neo eighties era in music too, and just like yeah, it's sweet. I feel like all the variations because I have this huge box set of just all of them. Um, Holy moly! If y'all could see what Brian is holding up, a very impressive, uh, spooky, and you see the little ghost of the young Michael collection right right in there, and Mm -hmm. the. The ghost of Michael behind. Anyway, this is this is just the first five. I have the other ones back in there as well. Anyway, I but that's your, <laughs> I like that you said the variations because one would ask why do you want the same score because it's largely the same five songs in every one. Ah. Laurie's theme, the Halloween theme, all that. The, the variations are so fun. Like in yeah. um, Halloween Kills, as much as I thought of that movie, I thought the music was actually really interesting. I loved. Um, that it was like really ethereal and almost like Prince of Darkness, more Carpenter. Anyway, I could have a whole podcast talking about <laughs> Carpenter's music. <laughs> it's true. And it is good to shout out that like a lot of times there are so many things, movies, TV shows, where like they totally fall off in quality. But like it's nice to take a moment to be like, well, but not every department, you know. There are certain things where I'm like, I basically started shit talking Lord of the Rings with increased aggression. No, not Lord of the Rings. I started shit talking Game Ooh. of Thrones with increased aggression from seasons like three through eight being like, this is bad, this is bad. But I'm like, actually the costume and design, basically all the production teams, like they just got better and better at what they were yeah, doing. So. Mm, I thought you were going to say when the theme song kicked in, you were still mm. equally I do happy love because that's how I feel. Hey, that I just got happy to dance to. I kind of thought they were going to have a new theme for House of the Dragon, but then it- Did they not? I didn't either. Yeah. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that they, no, they used the same one. I like it. I want to I want to be hit with some weird nostalgia for a franchise I didn't even really like but really enjoyed the theme song too. Why mess with a terrific theme song? And that's the same it. yeah, that's the same theory they have with the with Halloween. Yeah, yeah the Halloween, Halloween music is awesome. awesome. And I love the production design too about these three movies too. The the whoever makes the mask for all three of these movies. Mask was cool. It's mm. so brilliant. Like how yeah. they've aged it to the first one in yeah. 2018 and found like an equally scary version of it where half of it's burnt and then an equally mm-hmm. scary of it where all three, all the injuries still are there, but it's not a completely destroyed mask. It's like now moldy and aged and there's cobwebs stuck in the hair. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think it's, it's so good. Cause yeah, I mean the Rob Zombie movie, they had two of them. By the second one, the mask was just falling off at that point, you know? So I feel like it, nah, it's, it's, it's really smart to have you have each of these little scars in there. Then. I like that positive note. I think with that, let's let's say <laughs> let's that is 2022's Halloween Ends, our, uh, our last and our latest, uh, but hopes, perhaps not final chapter with, uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Good, good music, fun. good mask, <laughs> questionable film, yes. depending yeah, on that's right. your that's point right. of view. <laughs> I'm thrilled you guys had me on here. This is a fun talk. Yeah, it was an absolute it was an absolute treat having you having you on here, Brian. Yeah. 
So it was it was great having you back on here. It's been extremely fun every time we got to be on Happy Harvest Horror Show. We love doing that. We love having you on here. We love these spooky crossovers. Anything you want to plug at this point? I mean, we've talked a, a decent uh, amount about your your podcast, but do you want to give like an official like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we have a podcast. Uh, me and my co-host Corey, we have a podcast called the Happy Harvest Horror Show, but not Corey but not Cunningham. Cunningham. <laughs> not Cameron either. Or is she? That'd be a great Halloween costume. Just like you could swap Michael Mass for the Scarecrow. <laughs> anyway, the uh, yeah. in ten years when people all agree this is a great movie. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Happy Harvest Horror Show. Uh, we have an episode, basically at this point, it's once a month, um, where we just celebrate all things spooky and Halloween all year long. Um, it's a fun podcast. And I've had, and you both were on for both of our Hocus Pocus episodes. And mm-hmm. if we have more Hocus Pocus, of course, we'd love to have you on. Or for more um, <laughs> Haunted Mansion, if uh, mm. when that comes out next year, that'd be all yeah. be fun to talk about. That can be our new crossover. And your podcast is great. I would say whatever your level is of spookiness listeners whatever your level of spookiness like happy harvest horror show has an episode for you whether you are like i want to go hardcore into some like intense mike flanagan stuff or like i want to learn about pumpkin spice lattes and you know yeah. cozy salem towns like there is a level at which you can appreciate this podcast we've on. got a whole episode on pumpkin patches you know, and we also have probably an episode coming mm-hmm. up on cannibalism. You know, we've got like a full <laughs> <laughs> wide range. Um, and you take your, you guys are great at doing, like sometimes it'd be like we're covering a new movie or a new TV show, but a lot of times you're just like covering yeah. a spooky concept, like existential horror or like how Catholicism, uh, you know, intersects with horror. So like you, you guys do a very cool, like, pop culture but also like academic and cultural and and it's a really fun and like interesting listen so Thank highly you. recommend that Thank to everybody yeah um what are you being for halloween brian oh so or is it I, a secret n- no it's not a secret i think walls and i if we go to this party this weekend <laughs> we're gonna go my girlfriend and walls and i we're gonna go as pugsley and wednesday adams great um uh, that's very good that's and right. walls has the and bangs right now I also like just recently got a full skeleton onesie, like a, it's just a onesie, like mm-hmm. pajamas sort of situation, but it's got a glow in the dark skeleton. You and I was go like, as Phoebe Bridgers. I could go as Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> I could also just like throw on a gray hoodie and be Donnie Darko, and like just such a, mm-hmm. you know, like this is my mm-hmm. costume sort of like cop out. But yeah, yeah, those are those are the, my two options right now. Cool. Yeah. How about you guys? What do you have Halloween plans? What are you going to be? I think. Yeah, do you have anything, Ned? I don't necessarily have plans. I might. I'm going to see if my schedule allows me to go to John Harrison, former guest John Harrison's party. This is like, this is a funny thing to talk about on a podcast. But yes, uh, I was thinking of going as Catwoman. So I just oh. need to get some high heels, but everything else I think I have. That's good. What size shoe do you wear? Hmm. Can I lend you some? Uh, like, a, like, a, like a nine and a half, ten heels. men's. What's in women's? Oh, in men's. Hmm. Here, we'll hold some, your we'll foot up to the camera. And tell me if it's I have no costume planned. Usually my go-tos when I don't have anything are Hermione, or um, although that's more You're problematic canceled. these days, or I have a... <laughs> I have a... Um, well, one year during the pandemic, I went as an, as an anti-turf Hermione, yeah. like a turf like a protesting spew, but like uh, turf. Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but anti JK Rowling. I also have a Star Trek costume that my mom made me in fifth grade that sometimes I mm-hmm. <laughs> break out and like <laughs> try to make work. Or 
I've done no work on this and Halloween is in like three days. So probably not going to happen, but I have long curly hair now. And I was like, is there a way for me to be Eddie from stranger things? Yeah. And like given eighties in eighties hair. And I don't know. I don't think I have time to pull it together, Good. but I'm sure that will be a popular one this year, but I thought maybe a gender bent version would be fun. I'd love mm-hmm. to see that. And you could definitely get that shirt anywhere <laughs> at this okay. point. You know what I mean? I'll see. Yeah, true. True. It's probably <laughs> widely available. Yeah, well, if we get if we do get in our costumes, we'll we'll put them on the roll calling uh, yeah. Instagram feed. So, because I don't know, maybe I won't go to a party. I'll just dress up. In like <laughs> in post twenty twenty, I'm like, maybe I just dress up myself, and Emily and Look, I take pictures of ourselves. And I was gonna say, as long as you have the photos, you're fine. True you're that. Yeah. True that. So with that, we are gonna you know call this a happy Halloween to our roll calling fans. As a shout out, we will now be moving into our holiday series which we've had planned for a long time which we're really excited about we have a beloved holiday franchise no it's not uh not the one you're thinking of uh it is of course peter jackson's early thousands lord of the rings trilogy um which i sort of think of this one tweet that was like lord of the rings is officially a christmas movie there are elves (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, what, what to you, Caroline, do, do you associate the Lord of the Rings films with the holiday the season? holiday season. Yeah, definitely. I would kind of think like that time between like right after Thanksgiving, maybe when we're sort of transitioning from fall to winter. Mm-hmm. Is that when they came out? Why do we think this? I think that sounds right. I think they came yeah, out. I think, I, think I remember yeah. sixth grade going to see Fellowship as the like celebratory half day like like mm. the whole sixth grade went out and saw fellowship and i was kind of like sure. what but then my relationship with it has evolved since then but you'll have to find out more about that in our next episode so yeah they came out in december so that at least the first one so that makes sense so yeah an unofficial holiday uh spectacular yeah rather than focusing in on any one there's actor snow. yeah there's snow in the mountains lots of snow there's men with beards that's right. Lots of Santas. Yeah. That's holiday. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about? What is it about besides like one of the what greatest is a Gimli, Santa Claus? But a, uh, there's a Santa. Magic. I was thinking, yeah. yeah Gandalf mm-hmm. is a very, he's a very Santa Claus. You think, what if, what if Santa Claus was like an old weed smoking hobo and then he <laughs> fell into a bottomless pit trying to save you from an ancient elemental demon? That's an origin story. That's an origin story, right? Because <laughs> those movies are also all about goodwill towards men, you know? They're just like... Yeah, there's through, gifts. You know? There's rings, the like freaking yeah. five golden rings. Yeah, a lot of men crying rings. and hugging each other. We need more, you know? More representation <laughs> yeah. of that, you know? It's beautiful. Yeah, so get ready for lots of all of that stuff in the coming weeks uh, as we jump into a roll-calling special event discussing the wonderful acting put on by the entire ensemble of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We don't know exactly what this is going to be like, but we have very strong feelings about these movies and are (laughs) really excited to get into them. So that is what's coming down the pipeline. So Roll Calling is produced and recorded by us, Ned Baker and Caroline Sita. Our theme music was created by Patrick Buddy and our logo was designed by Nick Wansersky. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram at RollCalling, or you can email us at RollCalling at gmail.com. That's Roll, R-O-L-E. We'll be back soon with Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Until then, we'll say happy Halloween to one and all. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. (laughs) Evil dies tonight. (laughs) Evil dies tonight. (laughs) 